0: Obviously, we are going to focus today on the aroma of Jesus, and it's kind of an unusual topic. Uh, I've been thinking a lot about the question, what does Jesus smell like? And that's kind of an unusual question, so I thought we'd start with an easier question. Uh, Those of you who have been a part of Disciples' Journey, Step 3, have been reading portions of Len Sweet's book, Nudge. And if you are wondering if there's a connection to this sermon series, absolutely, that's the book upon which this sermon series is based. And there's a chapter in that book, which I read in preparation for giving a sermon about the aroma of Jesus. And as I read that chapter, Len Sweet talks about uh, a question uh, that was asked to a, a group of people. And the question is this, what does America smell like? So I wanna have us have a chance, it's really quick and kinda just a little fun moment to kinda do it a little family feud style, you know? And it's like, I got the top three answers to this question. What does America smell like, First Church? Bacon, no, that's not one of the top three. That's a great smell, though. (laughs) (laughs) Some people have been at earlier services. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) so the top answer was barbecue. Second was apple pie. And third, I think, was hard. I, n- the earlier two services didn't get that. The third answer was oceans. In a way, I mean, it, it's, it's a fun question. It really doesn't matter what America smells like. Um, and, but it, it, the part that's important is that smell, the point that I wanna make is that smell is a powerful scent. You know, smell, it's a sense, one of our five senses. It's really super powerful. Smells are very personal. Uh, and they can be very powerfully linked to feelings, and that really does matter. Uh, you may have some precious memories of smells, like, you know, think for a moment, what does vacation smell like? Hmm? What does Christmas smell like? What does your grandmother's house smell like? Do you remember that? I was thinking about smells that are like really powerfully connected to, for me, and uh, I thought about the smell of summer, Uh, When I was growing up, my family had this really big garden and grew tons and tons of tomatoes, and my mom canned like 100 quarts of tomatoes. What that meant was that in August, like every day, there was this giant pot of tomatoes on the stove, and so home and summer smelled like canned tomatoes, and that's particularly powerful for me because... I never smell that now, like I don't can tomatoes. I don't know if any of you can tomatoes. I'd like to know because I want to come to your house in August, Uh, (laughs) see me after the service. But it's it's like, it's not just a, a smell, it's a smell that takes me back to being a child. And when I get taken back to being a child, it takes me back to feeling the love of my parents and the security of my home and about just all these wonderful emotions that I had with the privileged childhood that I enjoyed. And so it's really tied not just to memories, not just to thinking, it's really tied to feelings. Rudyard Kipling has written that smells are surer than sounds or sights to make the heartstrings vibrate. And so it's no surprise that God seems to love scents. Scents are powerful. Just think for a minute about the Old Testament and how the Israelites were, were instructed to bring sacrifices to the temple. And as those sacrifices were burned on the altar, the smell would have risen and it would have perfumed all of Jerusalem. Think about Passover. Each family was instructed to take a lamb and to cook that lamb and and to specifically roast the lamb. They were not to boil the lamb. And we all know that roasted meat smells so much better than boiled meat. It was a fragrance. Paul writes to the Ephesians that they were to walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God which takes me back to the original question of what does Jesus smell like when when Paul says that Jesus was a fragrant offering what does Jesus smell like and at first we might think that like Jesus smells like something really good you know like a steak on the grill or like lily of the valley or as the song says the fragrance after the rain Um, when you came in this morning you were given a little baggie like this and inside that's a cotton ball i don't know if you've opened up that and smelled that but if you haven't go right ahead um, because you were given that this cotton ball has the fragrance of frankincense and myrrh on it when you smell it most people find that that's a, a pretty pleasant smell And uh, you were given that this morning, probably a lot of you know, because when Jesus was born, uh, two of the gifts that were offered to him by the wise men were frankincense and myrrh. So on the night that Jesus was born, it may have smelled a little bit like the cotton ball that you were given as you came in. Uh, But you also know from the story that it didn't only smell good on that night because Jesus was born in a manger and so there were farm animals around and they don't tend to smell that great. And then the shepherds came to visit Jesus and shepherds wouldn't have had a bath in a while and so they likely didn't smell so great. And think about Jesus's life. I think there were lots of times in which it didn't smell that good when Jesus was around. Uh, Think about the time when Jesus encountered the demoniac, uh, a man who had to be restrained by chains. Uh, He was filled with demons, and remember the demons come out of the man and they go into a herd of pigs. I don't know for sure, but I don't think that a demoniac or a herd of pigs would have smelled very good. Um, And think about the story when Jesus goes to visit uh, Mary and Martha after his friend Lazarus has died. Um, And uh, Martha warns Jesus, you better not take that stone away because by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. I think that When I think about the smell of Jesus, I think Jesus has a a different sense of smell than many of us do. I think that smells that may bother us or seem unpleasant to us really didn't bother Jesus at all. I was thinking about this winter um, when I noticed that First Church didn't smell like most churches on Sunday mornings. Typically, I'm among the first who come to church on Sunday mornings. I usually arrive shortly after seven, and um, I go into the church across the street because that's where our first worship services are held, and I enter by the fountain and come in through the... uh, Fellowship Hall there, and before I come to worship, I shower. (laughs) I have a little squirt of of perfume usually, and uh, you know I'm come in and I'm dressed and I'm ready for worship. But in the winter, I was not among the first to arrive at church. Matter of fact, the fellowship hall down the basement over there would be pretty full of people because we served as a cold weather shelter. And so there were people in the cold weather shelter who were guests of the shelter, and there were also some of you who were serving, um, helping uh, to provide for that service. And so as I came into worship, I encountered people who had slept on a cat all night, people who had not had an opportunity to shower. I don't think anybody in their little overnight bag had packed little perfume so that they could have a squirt of perfume. And so they were a little rumpled, and they're getting coffee and gathering up their things. And and every every week when I would come in, I would think to myself, this isn't what most churches smell like, but I think this is what Jesus smells like. I really thought, I think that Jesus would find this such a pleasing aroma that the people of God are here serving our community. I don't think that Jesus thinks that what smells good is what many of us think smells good. There is just something, though, that's attractive about the smell of Jesus. I don't think it's flowery but I think it's distinctive. And we can't quite describe it, but we know it when we smell it, don't we? Um, And for those of you who know Jesus, there's just something wonderfully appealing about the smell of Jesus. My son Eric and his wife Emily recently got a new puppy the Tobiases have his brother, Uh, so you know he's cute isn't he? Um, If you you have a new puppy you know that one of the challenges of those first few days of having a new puppy is that it's hard to get them to sleep through the night and uh, this sweet adorable little puppy uh, didn't like being in his crate and so the first few nights were really a little rough and yet you know what helped? They put Eric's t-shirt inside of Obi's crate because Obi loves the smell of his master. For dogs, there is just, if you have a dog, you know this, there is just something so attractive about the smell of their master. I think the same is true for us. In today's passage, Paul writes to the Corinthians about smelling like their master, Jesus, and by spreading his aroma everywhere. Paul has had a rough time with the Corinthians, and uh, he planted this church. He loves them dearly, but he has recently had a very painful visit, and in response to that visit, he writes this letter to them, and he's struggling with the fact that people are turning away from the gospel of Jesus, and they are following some smooth-talking teachers, and Paul writes to them to urge them to turn back to the truth of the gospel so that they can spread the sweet aroma of Jesus, and so we're going to look at his example because really Paul here is a nudger to help them to share the aroma of Jesus, and so we're going to look at what in this little passage we can learn from Paul about how to be an effective nudger. Starting with verse 14, the very first phrase there, Paul starts by saying, but thanks be to God. Paul starts with thanksgiving. I think that's because people who smell like Jesus give God thanks. They realize that apart from God, we don't smell so good, that we can't save ourselves or change ourselves, but that everything that we have is a gift of the grace of God. And I realize that that just sounds like such a churchy thing to say. I realize that that's like exactly what you expect me to say as I stand here in worship. But I have to say it because it's true and because it's so incredibly powerful. Some of you know that I recently enjoyed a vacation uh, visiting my daughter and son-in-law who live in England, and I was so incredibly grateful to have the opportunity to spend some time with them. Um, Every day I woke up and I was grateful. I didn't care that it was so unusually cold in England in May (laughs) that I had to borrow a winter hat and winter gloves. Because it was really cold. Uh, I was grateful uh, to be there. I didn't care that one day when we took a walk with the dogs and we're in this field and this storm starts and it starts hailing on us. Like, not like, is it hailing or is it raining, but like, hailing, like, this hurts. And so, like, you can see them there. They're huddled over their dogs to try to protect the dogs from the hail. And we were, I, You know what we said during that storm? We're like, when this is over, we're gonna have a great story to tell. (laughs) We were grateful, I was grateful to be there. And then as I was traveling home, I traveled home on public transportation to get from where they live to the airport, and I had two heavy suitcases. And my nemesis was stairs, like how do I do stairs with two heavy suitcases? And as I was struggling to kind of get through one of the train stations, um, this man came up to me and he said to me, I bet you wish you were back in America where they have escalators and you wouldn't have to worry with these stairs. And I said, no, I am so grateful that I can be here. That attitude of gratitude changed my experience. It was like it didn't matter what the circumstances were. I was feeling positive and and joyful about being there because of an attitude of thanksgiving. Having an attitude of thanksgiving will not just change our experience, it'll actually change our life. The simple act of practicing gratitude as a habit, even when we are having days that are long or that are gritty or that are dark or that are just difficult, can make us smell like Jesus. Jesus. Last week, if you were here, Pastor Matt encouraged us to spend five minutes just listening. And that's a super simple practice that anybody can do. Uh, I know a lot of you did that because a lot of you posted on the First Church Community Facebook page about your experience. I'm like so glad that you found that meaningful. Thank you for doing it. Uh, this week, can I invite you to do another very simple practice? And this is it. Will you say thank you to God every day? I mean, maybe you already do that, but you know what I think? I think a lot of times we just get so focused in our prayer time of telling God what we need, what our concerns are, that we kind of skip over that part of sharing with God what we're grateful for, how God has already blessed us. I don't know what that might look like for you. I mean, it could just be a thinking it through or including it in your prayer time. Maybe before you go to bed at night, you want to just write down three things that day for which you are grateful. Maybe you want to take it to another level and have an accountability partner kind of say, you know what, I need you to remind me, to point out to me whenever I'm being critical or complaining because I want to have more of an attitude of gratitude. Um, will you do that this week of just taking a st- the simple step of saying thank you to God? But that's just a start. Um, It's just the beginning because smelling like Jesus isn't just about saying thank you. An attitude of gratitude is a great thing, but it's not a uniquely Christian practice. Lots of people have figured out that having a grateful spirit will transform your life and bring more happiness and joy into your life. Uh, Think about all the people who say, thank God it's Friday." Uh, lots of people are uh, practice thanksgiving, sometimes even thanksgiving to God. And yet in this uh, passage, Paul teaches us that people who smell like Jesus offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving. If you have your Bible or your smartphone and you're following along in this passage, you can see the second part of verse 14, which is thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession. Now, to understand this passage, we need to know what Paul means by a triumphal procession. That would have been part of the Corinthians culture, and so they would have understood it. But it's not part of our culture, and so it probably isn't immediately clear to us. Uh, It was a Roman practice at that time to have a victorious military leader capture people who are going to become slaves and bring them home and parade them through his home city and as they were paraded through the city they were given fragrant spices that they were to kind of waft out as they're walking along and so the people of the city literally could smell the processional as it's going through the town so so paul identifies himself here with being in Christ's triumphal processional, and Paul sees himself as a captive in that parade. Uh, He wants us to imagine him marching in Christ's triumphal procession as a slave of Christ, spreading the fragrance of Christ as he goes through the city. Paul clearly sees his life as a sacrifice. You may be familiar with Romans 12, chapter one, in which Paul writes to the Roman church, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. He is a sacrifice uh, that that both humbles Paul as well as exalts him. He is a captive on display. In that sense, it's very humbling, but he is a captive who is being used to spread the fragrance of the gospel, and that exalts him. Now, As you know, everyone doesn't appreciate the fragrance of the gospel. Paul knew that. He knows that the gospel is a two-edged sword that divides people. Paul experienced that personally when when people in the Corinthian church were turning away from the gospel and turning toward the false teachers. Scripture clearly shows us that Paul is not always victorious as a missionary. Some people see Christ in him. Some people don't. Uh, For some, he is the pleasing aroma of Christ that brings life, and for others, he is the aroma of Christ that brings death. He experienced both success and failure, and we have to expect the same. Some people will receive what we offer well, and some people will be repelled by the gospel that we share. Everyone doesn't respond favorably to the aroma of Jesus. And nonetheless, Paul gives us some wisdom about how to be the best nudger, that we can be as we seek to spread the aroma of Jesus. And so I want to invite us to pick apart three things in verse 17 as, an, uh, as some guidance for us in what Paul shares. So first of all, don't be a peddler. You probably know what a peddler is. A peddler doesn't care about what you need. They just want you to buy what they are selling. Uh, don't try to sell Jesus. <laughs> Nudgers don't seek to advance their own well-being by nudging. They don't share the gospel so that they have a a good story to share or another notch on their spiritual belt. Uh, People can tell if you are a peddler who is focused on your own agenda or if you are a nudger who is focused on sharing Jesus. I experienced this uh, recently when I invited someone who doesn't go to church to come to my home on Holy Thursday. Uh, we were having a great conversation, which, quite honestly, I started so that I could make that invitation. And if I'm really being honest, I wanted to make that invitation so that if I was asked, I could say yes. I invited someone who doesn't go to church to come to my home on Holy Thursday. My invitation was not about meeting her needs. My invitation was about meeting my needs. And she saw through me. There was a point in our conversation when she realized that I was talking with her so that I could invite her, and suddenly her face changed in our conversation changed she realized that i was being a peddler and that mistake taught me how to be a better nudger because nudgers point two in in verse 17 nudgers speak sincerely being a nudger is about being real it's about being authentic nudgers don't try to appear holy or make people think that they have all the answers nudgers are honest That they're not perfect Uh, many of you probably know that the number one complaint that people who don't go to church have about Christians is that they think that we are hypocrites and so people can sniff us out when we are following a program and trying to accomplish our own goals rather than trying to build a genuine relationship people can smell a rat so don't be a rat Uh, those who spread the aroma of Jesus speak sincerely. And then finally in that chapter in that verse 17, Paul reminds us that nudgers need to be connected to God. We speak before God with a sincerity as those sent from God. If we aren't connected to God, we have noses but we do not smell. There is no formula for being an effective nudger. God sends each of us to just the right person in just the right way. Each of us has been uniquely equipped and called to share the gospel. You just have to nudge as only you can nudge. When you do that, I think you smell like Jesus. Have you ever been around someone who is just so connected to God that the aroma of Jesus is unmistakable. A few months ago, I had that experience when I met with Phil and Linda Byler. You may know them because we have supported them as missionaries in Africa. They were retiring after serving in the mission field in Africa for 15 years. Um, And I met with them and uh, they looked normal. Uh, On the surface, our conversation didn't seem brilliant or exceptional except i think that it was uh, when i opened this up in prayer i was surprised that as i was just offering this opening prayer which i do for so many different meetings but i started to get choked up and i i, I didn't even I, I was like why am i getting choked up and i realized the reason i was getting choked up is that i felt like jesus was in the room like i felt like i was smelling jesus so let me share with you a couple of reasons why i think the bilers smell like jesus First of all, they were and are incredibly thankful for even the smallest things. I met with them on one of the most frigid mornings in January. It was below zero and there was an absolutely ridiculous wind chill. I don't even know what it was. Um, and Phil and Linda had very recently returned from serving in South Sudan. I don't know if you know very much about South Sudan, but where they were in South Sudan, the average high temperature would have been in the upper 90s with a great deal of humidity, and the average low temperature rarely dips below the upper 70s, and of course there's no air air conditioning. And so these people who are used to this tropical climate are coming to meet with me on this rigid, brutal January day. And I just was apologizing. Not that the weather is my fault, but I'm like feeling badly that the weather is just so horrible. And I'm, I'm making comment, you know, I'm falling over myself, trying to make them feel welcome and let them know that I'm sorry about this. And they say, don't be worried about this. We are so thankful for these wonderful winter coats that we have. <laughs> People who are grateful smell like Jesus. Even more impressive than their gratitude though was their sacrifice. I was sitting with people who had spent 15 years in a third world country where food was scarce, healthcare was primitive, violence was an ever-present threat. They had been away from their four children, an expanding family of grandchildren. Like Paul, they were captives in Christ's triumphal procession as they were spreading the aroma of Christ through the knowledge of Christ everywhere. And as they sat with me on that cold January morning, their faces beamed as they shared with me how they had seen God at work in those last 15 years in South Sudan. Theirs was a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Your call To spread the aroma of Christ is likely very different from Phil and Linda Byler's. It's likely very different from mine. But I know that it will involve sacrifice. You can't smell like Jesus if you are not willing to set aside your preferences and your priorities and your plans. And so Paul asks the question in verse 16, Who is equal to such a task? Who is willing to become a captive, to be a living sacrifice, and in the midst of sacrifice, to be thankful? If you are in Christ, you are equal to such a task as that. You can offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving and smell like Jesus. When do you think Jesus smelled the best? I mean, it's a it's a hypothetical question. Nobody knows when Jesus smelled the best, but I just want to share with you when I think Jesus smelled the best. I think Jesus smelled the best when he died, because the Gospels tell us that when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might anoint Jesus's body. Those were fragrant spices, and you know what one of them probably was? myrrh because myrrh was a spice that was used to anoint the dead the unusual gift that jesus was given as a baby foreshadowed his purpose and his destiny jesus was born to die he smelled the best when he did what he was sent to do to die sacrificially for your sins We also have work that we were created to do. And we can smell like Jesus when we follow God's example as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This week, let me encourage you not to just try to smell like Jesus, but to decide to take a step. Maybe you'll be willing to take the step of saying, this week I'm going to say thank you to God every single day. But maybe you're willing to take another step, a little bit more. So let me offer to you an idea of what you might want to do as a step uh, to learn what the unique way God has created and equipped you to spread the aroma of Christ. It would be this. Ask someone who knows you well, when do I smell like Jesus? When do you see me making a sacrifice of thanksgiving that you believe is a pleasing aroma to Christ? Sacrifices cost us something, and yet Paul reminds us that they are so worth it because God is always the victor. So thanks be to God, who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession. Go and be nudgers and smell like Jesus. Amen.